0: Do you control your destiny? It's one of the biggest questions in our lives. Because by the time we're old enough to make choices, so many of our choices were made for us. What family we would be born into, what school we would go to, what influences would impact our attitudes and our mindsets. And then so much more of life seems to be not in our control. So please join me in this special presentation, Do You Control Your Destiny? Hi, this is Simon Jacobson. Thank you for joining us. I will be speaking about a very important topic. Do you control your destiny? This program is dedicated by Mark Sava in honor of his daughter and son-in-law, Danielle and Yoel Kaufman, and their baby, Ava, in Jerusalem. Perhaps... The biggest question of all in life is the decisions we make, the choices. Are they really our choices or did someone set it up for us? In other words, do we control our destiny? Do you control your destiny? Think of it this way. We do not choose to which family to, which family to be born into. We don't choose what kind of parents we'll have. And siblings, what type of school we will go to? what background and upbringing we will have? Will we be brought up in a religious home, in an unreligious home? What religion, if there is indeed a religion? what culture, what country, what state, what city? And then as our early formative years begin to develop, what type of attitudes are we going to pick up? Are our parents? giving us the best nurturing and a best role-modeling for how to love and how to build a relationship? Or is it the other extreme, growing up in a broken home, in a dysfunctional home, or something in between? All these factors are not something that's subject to our choices and decisions. By the time we're of age, let's say the teenage years or late, late teen years, when we begin to make choices that we consider to be our own, meaning independent choices, so much has been made for us. Can we just start from scratch? We don't have a, a tabula russa, a clean slate. So therefore, the big question then is, how do we know that we're making even these decisions? So you could argue, maybe we're not. And we do the best we can. But then, of course, it touches the big question, do we have free will? Or has everything been predestined and predetermined? Is, are our lives deterministic? Or do we have some say in the matter? Now, obviously, we all understand that no matter what we receive, what deck of cards we received, we have choices how to use that. For instance, you could have been born into a home of wealth. And that could spoil a person to the point that they become obnoxious, a sense of entitlement to the point of being greedy and selfish and narcissistic. But we also see people born, born in a home of wealth and in privilege, and yet they've learned humility, they've worked on themselves and don't have those characteristics. Is that also part of our choice, is that part of our upbringing? Because we do see some children do defy and go against the grain of their own family traditions and family culture and family behavior. Even you can say genetic elements. So we cannot argue then, say that everybody is completely predestined. But still, it's good to know what falls into the category of the things, decisions we make and what are areas that we don't have choice over. Which brings us to the big question of free will. Is there such a thing as free will? There are scientists and thinkers that argue there is no such thing as free will. Why? Because... Everything is part of chemical reactions of your DNA, of your makeup, of circumstances that have shaped your life. I mean, you can go with Isaac Basheva Singer's uh, witty line where he said, we must believe in free choice, free will. We have no choice. We must believe in free will. We have no choice, is what he said. So that's a type of pun, a twist, a, a, a circular logical, logic type of idea. So I want to cover all of these topics as best as possible in a way that we can all apply and personalize in our lives. Because conceptually, at least hypothetically, all of us like to think that we're independent individuals. Independence is a big thing. Independence Day. Declaration of Independence. Especially in countries, especially in the last few hundred years, where the idea of being an individual individual, An independent individual, not subject to someone else's whims and controls and dictates, is considered to be one of the most primary things that allows a person to spread their wings and achieve everything they want to achieve in this world. But what does that actually mean? So we're going to touch upon that as well. And going back, so are you in control of your destiny? To add more to the question there are factors in life that are for sure not in our control. For example, you see people who live very healthy lifestyles and then, God forbid, an accident happens. And it was not due to their mistake, due to someone else's error or due to something called natural, a natural disaster. So in other words, you can have it all lined up and have an entire script and a plan and still you don't control what happens to you. Look at this past year, covid we're a situation where, not many of our control. Suddenly, our control was taken from us. Our plans, our summer plans, school, our entertainment, sports, theater—I mean, every area of our work was ris- ris- disrupted, out of our control. So then, of course, you can make the we don't control. You don't control your destiny. Look what happens, and look what has happened. And yet when you really think about it, it really is a little deeper than that. So let's distinguish in a very simple way. We'll distinguish between what happens to you and what you do about it. That's the key thing to keep in mind, that you do not control what's going to happen. Sometimes you can do things that will make things more likely to happen a certain way. People do this all the time in business and family planning and other things where they plan... for a better future, for themselves, for their families, for their work. But that's not a guarantee. So let's distinguish between things that we, that happen, that we do not absolutely control, and things that we do have total control over. And I want to make a case for total control. But once you make this distinction, it makes it a lot easier to dissect and understand your life. Why? Because if you were to say, I control everything, That's obviously not the case. The Jewish people, for instance, did not control their destiny during World War II when the Nazis determined to exterminate them all. But you have total control of how you react to it. Now you could argue who says maybe that reaction comes from your genetic makeup, nurture or nature or your education or the influences, especially in your formative years. That may be so. But we'll discuss that a bit later. Right now, let's focus on the things that happen to us and the things how we react to it. Unfortunately, many people think that what happens to them is what defines their lives, and therefore they have no control. That is not correct at all. As I pointed out earlier in an example, but I'll elaborate more. We see all the time that people can have the same circumstances, even the same family, may go through the same hardship, or deal, or positive things, and yet two people react very differently. Even in the same family, even with the same influences. So what does that tell you? That there's something about, that, something about our attitude that contributes greatly. Think of two swimmers. A good swimmer, an excellent swimmer, and a bad swimmer. A storm strikes. They're both in the water. Now, we know storms can be dangerous. They can't go to the shore that quickly. They need to swim it through. What will the bad swimmer do? Because he has no experience, he or she has no experience, try to fight. You fight the tide, you get desperate, and you can ultimately, ultimately, God forbid, drown. A good swimmer knows how to navigate. The same storm, the same waves, the same tide. But he, will not, he or she will not fight the tide allow themselves to float, to go with the flow, wait till the storm subsides, and then continue swimming. The thrust forward when you're able to. Same circumstances, which were not in their control. The storm nobody predicted. And yet two different outcomes. You can give thousands of examples in any given area of life and come away with the same idea. Now, obviously, you can say, okay, what happens if the great swimmer suddenly is struck with a wave that he, that he couldn't anticipate, and so on. So, of course, there are things that are not in our control. We're talking about, however, given the same circumstances, there's much, there is much in our control, our attitudes. And that is impacted by our environment and influences and early influences. But as I said, I'll discuss that a bit later. But there, at least now, we know there are two areas in life, and you can always ask yourself the question. The problem is, the emotional reaction that we have, the subjective emotional reaction, coupled with our biases and prejudices and emotional wiring, which is very subjective, all lead that when you get to a situation which can seem desperate or difficult, you don't think that you have control over your attitude. It takes control of your mindset. But if you're able to, hypothetically, we'll soon talk about how to do that, but if you're able to say, one second, this happened, but it does not define me, you're already reaching a place of like that uh, that expert swimmer. It may take time, but that's the whole purpose of this program. That's the whole purpose of this presentation and class is to help us develop and train that attitude because it is training. Soldiers in the military need to be trained. Every worker needs to be trained. Nobody begins knowing exactly how to do everything. What's the difference between a veteran, an experienced person, and a novice? That they have the experience, the trial and error. So what I'm suggesting is, if you feel you're a person who does not feel your life is in control, the first thing is begin slowly, in easy ways. You don't have to take on the biggest challenges, and just say, something happened today, someone insulted me, some setback. I'm using negative examples because it's just easier to get the point across. Stop yourself and say, before I react, let me put that on a piece of paper. What happened? And here are the options of how I can react to it. As soon as you do that, you're already halfway to the solution, if not more. Because your awareness, your presence, your composure is critical. The composure of the good swimmer is vital. He does not get, he does not get flustered and overwhelmed by the challenge of the storm. So that's the first thing we need to be able to do. And we're capable of it because people have been trained and learned to do so. It may take some time because the fact is we all get at times something happens, you get a phone call or something else comes your way you're like shocked. So it's not always easy to do. But that is the methodology. And look, I remember the first time I heard a tragedy happen in my life. I remember my father became well, ill, and then sick and then he died. So of course, it's not like I could just sit down and yet, because I had trained myself, it was easier for me. Not because the pain was less, and not because the loss was less, or the shock was less, but because I trained myself to navigate. Each one of us can do that. Begin with smaller challenges, make it a daily exercise, and you'll be surprised how your life changes. I know it sounds simple, and so on, but it's, it is simple. The challenge is to make it your new routine. But especially if you've grown up in a home where a mother or father or others around you reacted very impulsively and did not do exactly what I just said, and they allowed the circumstances to control them, then their destiny, yes, was compromised because they could not separate between themselves and their experiences. So the key thing is to remember that which happens to you does not define you. You may suffer, but you're not a sufferer. What define, which brings me to the second point, what then does define you? Which is the second point in, in accessing that inner self of how to navigate. Remember, your experiences do not define you. What defines you? Your soul, your inner core self. So no matter what happens in life, and many things will happen that are unexpected, un, unprep- unanticip- unanticipated, Sometimes unwanted, but your soul is always intact. The swimmer in you, using that analogy, is always there. You need to access it. So, the more you can get in touch with your inner soul, the more inner confidence that builds and that strength necessary that when something comes your way, you know what to do. The stronger, in other words, that you separate yourself from the circumstances of your life, the stronger you connect to the soul, those two components. The formula will be, that equals less, more control over your destiny. So let's sum this up again. You are not defined by your experience. You're defined by your soul. You must separate between what happens and how you react to it. And you can monitor yourself. You can monitor. You can actually check it out, see what happens. I mean, who has not been sometimes someone says something to you that's obnoxious, insulting, humiliating, and our natural reaction, an impulsive reaction would be to respond, tit for tat, to reciprocate. But your mind comes into play, and that brings me to point number three, your mind. Your mind says, one second, let's reflect on this. Reflection. So not identifying with your experience, knowing that you have a soul, and your mind is a sense like the arbiter, to determine how you should react. The mind saying you have a soul that's your independent self. Here's the experience that happened. Should you react and how should you react? Now, if you reflect, most mistakes will never happen. That's a fact. Now try it out. Next time you have an impulsive feeling that you need to react to something, wait, wait overnight. Wait till the next day. How many emails have some of us written and not sent? You, no, no problem, write it down, but don't act yet. And things in time, you come to say, you know what? It may not be so wise to react. Or maybe I'll react in somewhat of a different way. I myself, have written sometimes something that really gets you agitated. And I write a very quick text or email. Then I read it. And then I wait, say, I'll wait. I'll wait an hour, two hours, sometimes more, sometimes less. And then I go back and say, one second. no, no, That's not productive. It may be my first reaction, and maybe that person deserves to hear that, but it's not productive. So the reflective mind now comes into play and says, okay, let's determine what's the best way to proceed. To go back to the analogy of the swimmer, that's what a swimmer is doing, a good swimmer is doing all the time. He sees a storm is coming, the reflective mind says, I am not defined by the storm. This storm is an event that's happening right now. My reflective mind, which of course includes my training, tells me now to not react impulsively, but to calm down and to be cool, collected, and ride with the waves, go with the flow, until the storm ends. So those that are trained are doing this very quickly, but all of us can be trained. So three points so far. Your experiences don't define you. They happen to you, but they don't define you. you. Your soul defines you, and your reflective mind is your tool and instrument to be able to separate between the two and determine how to react the proper way. Now, sometimes no reaction may be the way. Sometimes a strong reaction may be the correct way. But you don't want it to come impulsively from the experience. You want it to come from the reflection of your mind, which channels your soul, your independent soul, into determining what is the right course of action. I know it sounds, again, simple. The reason it's not simple is because many of us have not heard this stated in a, this type of like clinical or technical sense. And secondly, our emotions take hold of us, as I pointed out earlier. Now let me go back to the point of the question, okay, but how we react, how we reflect, and even our very sense of identity. Let's say it's a given we're not defined by our experiences. And I'm able to somewhat separate from that. But the rest of me is still controlled by things that maybe I've been trained. Okay, look, someone who's been trained, let's say, to be a, uh, a surgeon, or someone who's been trained in the military, or someone who knows how, who computer science, or accounting, or law, or medicine, whatever you say, whatever you like. So you can say the training impacted them, Yes, but the training helped train you to use your resources in the direct way. To say, in other words, is it absolute free will? Or is it still based on circumstances? Even if we learned healthy habits from our parents, who nurtured us, and how to deal, how to become a good swimmer, you were trained and taught. Well, if you still have a problem with that and say, that still doesn't mean I control my destiny, what shall I say? Yes, theologically and philosophically, which I will address, the last point of this discussion will be about that you could still say that doesn't mean you have absolute free will. It could still be deterministic based on the training and tools, but the fact is you control your life and you're not not a victim of circumstances. That's the key. You're not a victim of circumstances. And you can learn this. Anyone in recovery, anyone who's healing in any given situation will tell you, I thought that this was my only approach to things. I would turn to my addictions or substances or or destructive behaviors, and I came to learn I can do something else. I can find an alternative path. I don't need to go down this road. I can go down a different road. People have have learned to change and therefore control their futures. Again, not what happens to you, but how you're going to react to it. So let's now speak about the theological. So here's an interesting question. Is there such a thing as free will? So if you talk about from a religious or theological perspective, you can argue, since God controls everything, every move and every, every breath and every action of our lives, then it seems like there's no free will. Everything is predetermined. However, the same theological argument goes further and says that God granted the human being free will. The question is how? There's nothing about us that's free will, that's free. We need to eat, we need to drink, we need to sleep, we need love. We have real needs. Without them, we will die. We will suffer. We will wither. Just as a a plant, a flower, does not have free will, unless it's watered, it will not grow, so too with us. So you could argue, there's no real thing as free will. Only God, from this perspective, has free will, because he's not bound by everything. So the interesting point, which I would like to introduce here is that in Hasidic thought, Jewish mysticism, it says that in the verse where it says that God created Adam, it says we will create one like us, which means like God, is the concept of free will, that God granted the human being free will, but only in the area of morality, not whether you'll be tall or short, or whether you'll have blue eyes or brown eyes. Or the, or the level of your intelligence, or your life situation. So not only the things that happen to you are not in your control, but also certain circumstances. The color of your skin, what home you brought up, and personality as well. But when it comes to how to use that, even the, and not only the circumstances of your life, but also your very personality, there you have free will to choose. Now this is another discussion that deserves its own its own class about free will and predeterminism and predestiny or pre or determinism, and you can find more about it on meaningfullife.com by those titles and similar titles about free will. I just wanted to include it in this discussion because the point here is that there is an element not only that you you can free yourself and not be defined by your circumstances and control how you navigate and your attitude. But also, you can also recognize that there is something deeper that really does come from a very free place. And that's a, good, a God-given gift. That's not something that we created on our own. It's because God said, I will give the human being the ability to make these choices. And you can take it a step further. Our ability to reflect and access our soul is connected to that part of our free will. Because you see, an animal does not have that. When an animal is hungry, you can't go reason with it and say, hey, reflect on this, maybe don't, don't uh, kill the prey, have some compassion. Nature is a clockwork that works a certain way. It's made to be that way. And there is no concept of controlling its own destiny. Even though, yes, of course animals uh, learn to be hunters and they learn how to maneuver, But overall they are defined by a set of rules. It is the human being that's unique in the sense that we can choose. We can go against the grain of our own interests to help another and be noble. You can't expect that from other parts of nature in the mineral, plant, or animal kingdoms. But the key thing I would like to sum up with is to know, and here's the most important thing, and I've been doing the work I do for many years. Meaningful Life Center, to help people find that voice and the courage and the tools and the skills to train themselves that you are not defined by what happens to you. It's vital to the success of your life, to your relationship. People say, what can I do? I'm in a bad marriage. That's not correct. There's always something you can do. What can I do? I'm in a bad job. COVID struck. That language is a language that comes from something May you may have picked up you may feel that's your style, that's your personality, it's, but it's not. Because you have another part of you that does, is free of the circumstances, and you have your mind as an instrument that will help you reflect, to separate. Is it easy? No. That's why we also need component number four. So besides separating yourself, the mind that reflects the soul, and that is to have a good objective friend, a mentor, someone you can speak with. Because they can help free you from your myopic and subjective perspective on things. And if you trust someone like that, they will help you get out of that quagmire, that quicksand that traps us. Because the emotions, for all their value, can also blind us from the possibilities of what we're able to become and able to grow and potentially reach the infinite itself which is essentially the real free will within you, the infinite within the finite you. So, in sum, I'd like to say, you have your destiny in your hands. To navigate. Not the events, not the happenings, not the occurrences, not the circumstances. Not even your personality. But you can control how you navigate. And that's where the focus should be. Begin small begin with small steps, find something each day. You can say, today I had two choices and I, and I reflectively, I reflected and chose the choice that was more productive. When you begin to do that, success breeds success, confidence breeds confidence, and ultimately you become better at it. Don't give up. Every day, continue at it, just like an exercise. That's gonna be the challenge, maintaining that attitude. Not just being inspired by these words, you may, This may resonate with you, but maintaining it, it takes time. Sometimes it takes, some say, 18 times till a habit begins to form. I would say more than that when it comes to things like this, because we are so hardwired often in a certain way of thinking, we don't see it possible. And even when we do see some progress, there are setbacks, so it's going to take work and willpower. But please see us, please see me as there for you. This has been Simon Jacobson. MeaningfulLife.com is our website. You can find many resources that overlap and are connected and cross-referenced to this discussion. When I say overlap, I don't mean redundancy. I just mean cross-pollination of many ideas. But above all, I'd love to cross-pollinate with you. So please send us your feedback, your questions, your comments. We really thrive. I thrive on that. I would really appreciate hearing from you. So share, like, pass it on. Again, Simon Jacobson, com. May you be blessed to learn to navigate in the best possible way to be able to soar, spread your wings, and be the best you can possibly be. Be well. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com slash donate.